0: Good morning, Eastside family. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. If your age is 3 through 3rd grade, you can make your way to junior worship. It is in that direction. As we've been talking about our Cause Mail mission team, I received a text message last night or this morning from our team that arrived in Guatemala. They arrived there safely Saturday or Sunday sometime. I guess it was Saturday, obviously. Um, and they, uh, they're going to be there for a good period of time. They certainly asked for your prayers. So I wanted to mention that to you. John chapter 1. So I want you to, to imagine a car accident at a four-way intersection. And standing at each of the four corners of the intersection, there's, there's four individuals... There's one at each corner who saw the accident. And so each one of them are asked to, to write a police report of what they saw. And while they're all writing about the same event, a lot of, therefore, of what they write is going to be pretty much the same. To some degree, what they write is going to be different because they're writing from different personalities and different styles. And they're writing from different vantage points and from different angle at which they saw the accident. And this is to some degree kind of helpful way of understanding how, how we understand the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell us the story of Jesus Christ. They're, they're all writing about the same person. They're all writing about the, the overall same event of Jesus life and therefore when you read the four gospels there's a lot of similarity but then when you read them all of a sudden you start realizing there's a lot of differences and this is because they're they're writing from their own personalities and styles as the Holy Spirit allowed that in guiding them they're writing it from a from different vantage points you might say as, as they're given insight by the Holy Spirit into the story they're also writing to different audiences and so there are differences as well. And I would say perhaps as you look at the four Gospels, one of the most obvious differences in, the, in these four stories in the four Gospels is the narrative of Jesus coming into the world, the Christmas story. Mark, who's considered to be the, the first of all the Gospels written, he had this kind of fast-paced style and, and, and he just kind of bypassed the Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth completely, and he jumped straight into, and likely it was a Roman audience he was writing to, he jumped straight into the ministry of Jesus. And then you have Matthew and Luke who were written after that, and some say, well, they probably noticed, well, shoot, Mark left out that story of Jesus coming into the world, and so they write it from their perspective, and they included it. And then you go to the Gospel of John, and you look at that, you might think, well, he kind of left it out too. But actually, he didn't. He just approached it with a different style and a different focus. As a matter of fact, if some would think, well, maybe John, his was written way later, perhaps late first century. Matthew and Mark and Luke were in circulation, and likely he had been exposed to those gospels and maybe think, well, they did a good job of, of covering the story of Jesus' birth, I'm going to come at it from a different angle. But if you know, if you know John and his relationship to Jesus, one of the unique reasons for his account of, of the story of Jesus' arrival was mostly because, and to go back to that story of the accident in the middle of the intersection, it's not that John was standing at a corner observing and writing what he wrote, but John more than likely you would say, was was in the car. What I mean by that, John had a very close and personal relationship with Jesus and he shares the story of Jesus from that perspective. And his goal in telling the Christmas story isn't, let me tell you what happened. John wants to tell us about the person to whom it happened, that we might know him and love him as John did. And that's a primary objective of John's gospel. It's written in John 17, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. The early church father, Clement of Alexandria, he lived about 100 years after John wrote his gospel and as he looked at John's gospel, he said, John's gospel, we would call it the spiritual gospel. Meaning that John wasn't so interested in the mere facts as he was in the meaning of the facts, the spiritual and theological meaning as they painted for us a picture of who Jesus is. So here in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, in what is called his prologue, his primary interest isn't giving us a description of what happened at Jesus' birth, but to describe that one who was born in Bethlehem. And then you go through all the rest of the Gospel of John, and it's just basically an expansion. This is a skeleton outline in John chapter 1, and the rest of the book is just filling in the details. So let's open our eyes. Let's open our ears. Let's open our hearts. And let's read the account, John's account of the Christmas story. As he saw it, and was given to him by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural scent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So what do you see when you close your eyes and consider the the advent of Jesus Christ? John says, we have seen his glory. Have Have you ever seen the glory of God? The truth is you have, you may just have not realized that you were looking at it. If you've seen a, a sunrise accompanied by a beautiful display of clouds in the sky, you've seen his glory. Oh, one of the most beautiful chapters in, John, in, in, in Psalm chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Though we've never seen the invisible God, we see his glory, a display of his might, his power, his love, his tenderness, his majesty through the artistic creativity of what he has made. If you've ever stood on the summit of one of the beautiful mountains here in our state of Colorado, you've seen the glory of God. If you've ever seen the earth and the moon from the vantage point of John Glenn in outer space, the first man in outer space, you have seen the glory of God. As a matter of fact, though John Glenn had never seen God, when he beheld this view, he said to look at this kind of creation out here and not believe in God, it's it's, it's impossible. If you've ever been at the kitchen window and you've looked out at the bird feeder and seen birds feeding... You have seen the glory of God. Now, that's not a bird. I saw it, my bird feeder, but that's not Photoshopped. If you've ever held a beautiful newborn infant, you've beheld the handiwork of God, a masterpiece of his. It's the, the glory of God. I just happen to have a picture of my granddaughter Charlotte available. <laughs> hey, is she not adorable? I'll be holding her on Friday. I will be holding the miracle miraculous glory of God. Listen. If you've ever sat down at the breakfast table and looked down at that plate of bacon, that is the glory of God. And you're saying, he is so sacrilegious. (laughs) Look again at that plate of breakfast food, at the colors, at the textures, at the flavors. Consider the origin of all of that food. It's the daily provision of God, it's his glory. And so John the Apostle writes, when you you look in the manger in Bethlehem, it's it's more than Joseph and Mary and it's more than, than shepherds and wise men and hay and animals. There in the manger is the magnificent glory of the splendor of God. The Hebrew writer tells us the sun is the radiance. The ra- I love that word radiance. The sun is the, the radiance of God's glory. The glory of God, biblically speaking, it's understood as a, as a visible manifestation of the presence and the character of the invisible God. And it's often characterized by, by an incredible light, a radiant light. And we know this theme if we've been reading our Bibles. You're walking through the story of the Old Testament and it was the glory of God manifested in a cloud that guided the Israelites by day. It was the glory of God manifested in a pillar of fire that guided them by night. It was the glory of God resting upon Mount Sinai as the Israelites bivouacked at the base of Mount Sinai. And I love the story, 1 Kings 7 or 8. It was the glory of God that as the temple was built and dedicated, it so filled the temple that the priests couldn't even do their duties. They couldn't see. It was thick like a cloud. That was the glory of God. And Isaiah the prophet, in chapter 6, upon seeing a vision of God's glory, wrote, the whole earth is full of his glory. When God became flesh and entered our world, the glory of God's presence was fully embodied in the Christ child. And so John the Apostle, from his vantage point, as he saw by the eyes of the Spirit, he wrote about the glory of God so that we too could see it. But his objective isn't so that we would all get goosebumps and sing jingle bells. His objective, he states it in John 20. This is why I've written of all the gospels. This is the only one. that This is the purpose for me showing you this display of God's glory. It is so that these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. His purpose in revealing to us the glory of God in Christ through telling us the story was to bring to face those of us, faith, those of us who are new in this journey, and to bring to a deeper and greater faith those of us who who are further along in the journey that we may have life, eternal life, or as he speaks of later on in chapter 10, life to the full. But there's an even greater purpose in revealing to us the glory of God. It is also that as we behold the glory of God in Christ that our lives would be transformed as a fancy biblical word for our lives would be changed that on the other side of Christmas we wouldn't be the same after what we've seen the word we have seen his glory those word, that word we have seen it's 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 not a a quick glance or we took a look at that word basically in its pure definition means a a long gaze One writer describes it as a calm, continuous contemplation of an object which remains before the spectator. I love the way one writer says he's speaking of a contemplative gaze. And so we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I love this verse, verse 18. It tells us that as we gaze upon the glory of God in His presence, it's there that the Holy Spirit transforms us in His likeness, with ever increasing glory. And He's setting the stage in the context of that verse, with the background of the story of Moses that we find in, in Exodus chapter um, chapter thirty three and chapter thirty four. Those are two chapters that were in my earlier years of ministry, many years ago, that were foundational and, and fundamental in, in helping ground me in a walk in a, with God in a prayer life. It's a beautiful story. You should read it. I've given it to your life groups to consider discussing. As Moses prayed to God on the mountain, it's in chapter 33, he said, God, I want to see it. It's bold. It's a bold request. Lord, show me your glory. Let me see the radiance and the brilliance of your presence so there you continue reading and we read that whenever Moses went up on the mountain in the glorious radiant presence of God, his, he would leave and his face would, would have a radiant glow about it and eventually the glow would fade away and then he'd go back on the mountain before the radiant presence of the glory of God and there God's glory would radiate upon him and then he would literally have a glow about his face and then it would, it would fade again and it's kind of a crude example, but it's the way I I think I can understand it. Did you ever have one of these glow in the dark balls that you, you expose it to light you put it under a lamp and it absorbs the light and then you take it away and you put it in darkness and, and it glows with a radiant glow and then eventually the, the glow fades away and you take the ball and you, you put it before the lamp again and then it absorbs the light again. The more the ball is kept before the light to the greater degree it's under the light, to the greater degree it also glows with that light until eventually it fades again. And so the same is true for those who keep themselves before the presence of the Lord in worship, in prayer, and in his word. You could always tell when Moses had spent time with God. It it just showed. Now this illustration doesn't work well here in Colorado, but I, I used it in Baton Rouge where we used to live because we were two or three hours from this scene Whenever you'd go to the beach on the Gulf Coast and spend time in the sun, you would always come back home and people could tell that you had been there because it showed, so I know where you've been. You've been in the sun. You see, when you spend time in the sun, S-U-N, it just shows. And when you don't spend time in the sun, (laughs) it also shows. Similarly, when you spend time in the sun, S O N, it shows. And when you don't spend time in the sun, it also shows. So, this lesson is more about an invitation than anything else. To invite you to join us and you to invite others to join us this Christmas season. Not to take a, a quick glance into the manger in Bethlehem. But a contemplative gaze to fix your eyes on Christ and behold his glory. Each Sunday in December and, and especially also on our Christmas Eve service We're going to take these first 18 verse, verses This prologue And we're going to unpack what it is That John saw And so I want to encourage you to come And, and to be here And invite uh, friends and neighbors of yours To be a part of that as well And as John's prologue Is basically setting the stage For what's filled in in detail Later on in the Gospel of John I want to invite you through the month of December to prayerfully read through the whole Gospel of John in your daily quiet times. To spend time in the sign. And before each reading, add this to your prayer. Lord, show me your glory. That's important because you can read your Bible and you can learn so much, but you can miss it. You can miss the glory of God that is there. It's just like you can go for a hike in the mountains and you can see so much, you can experience so much, and even though it's right there before your very eyes, you can miss the glory of God. You can eat breakfast and you can miss the glory of God I could hold Charlotte and get all those beautiful granddaddy feelings but fail to see the glory of God you can go completely through the Christmas season oh and see and experience so much fun but miss the glory of God I'm not overstating this, God has something incredible He wants you to see as you look once again to this story of Jesus coming into the world. God has something incredible that He wants to do in your life. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for these beautiful words in John 1. Powerful words. Thank you for this beautiful portrayal of of you. And not only here in the first half of this chapter, but throughout the whole gospel that you've given to us. And Father, we ask that as we journey through these words together on Sunday mornings and individually on on our own each day in the month of December, Lord, our simple request, but it's simple, but it's huge, Lord, show us, show us your glory. Let us bask in the radiance of your presence. Father, as we live and dwell in the light of your glorious presence, we ask that you would bring to our lives, faith, renewed faith, deepened faith, life, eternal life, life to the full. And Father, we ask that there in the presence of your glory, that by your Spirit, you would transform our lives and our character more into your amazing likeness, that we might reflect your glory to the world. I want to stand in, in, in a moment and continue in, in, a, in, a, in a spirit of prayer, and I'm going to ask that our shepherds would be available to pray with you if you've come here with a heavy burden on your heart and you need to, to reach out to one of them or to someone else, or if you know someone that, and there are some people here, we're going through a lot of things right now. Let's stand up and let's go before God in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the East Side Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.